Welcome to the Factory of Sadness podcast. I am your host, Josh Shankman, and I am here with my co-host and best friend, Max Steiger. How are you guys doing today? Well, Max, I'm doing great. Had a kind of crazy day at work today. It was super awesome, Uh, but, you know, doing well. Looking forward to another great podcast. How about you? I am doing ecstatic. You know, we had a slightly exciting weekend this weekend. Um, Oh, slightly? Just a bit, but yeah, I got nothing to complain about going back to campus on Friday, so I'm very excited about that. I'm not excited. I have to quarantine for a week starting on Thursday, so that's not going to be fun. That is tough. But so it is, so it is. So speaking of your exciting weekend and my exciting weekend and the exciting weekend for all Browns fans across America, how about them brownies? How about them brownies? The Browns is the Browns, Josh. The Browns is the Browns. The same old Browns that the Steelers are going to destroy, according to Juju Smith-Schuster, except it kind of went the uh, other way this yeah, week. I don't, I don't think that ended up working out too well for him. The highest scoring first quarter in an NFL playoff game history actually happened in the Browns' favor. Huh. You know, and imagine a veteran quarterback and a veteran center Completely screwing over the team on the first play. On the first Very play. first play. And imagine one of the best coaches in NFL history, possibly, some might say. And NFL Today. And NFL Today. Not going for it on fourth and one? Yeah, that's a, certainly a questionable choice. While we can debate that, in hindsight, of course, he should have went for it. But many questionable decisions and poor play from a Steelers team that many expected to absolutely rout the Browns. And I even took them in our predictions, and that was the difference. As Max ended up 5-1 and one on the week, and I was 4-2 and two on the week last week, basically just because of that Browns game. Exactly, and not only talking about how badly the Steelers played, although, to be fair, Ben Roethlisberger ended up throwing something over 60 passes. 68 passes, I believe, over 500 yards for, I believe, five touchdowns, but... Four, four interceptions. Four, interceptions. four touchdowns and four interceptions. I mean, that's just bad. Yeah, but, I mean, aside from the four interceptions, those stats are insane. It shows you how one-sided of an offense they are. They cannot run the ball at all. And I was surprised that we were able to stop their pass. That's what I was worried about because their receivers have an innate ability to take those dip-and-duck passes that Roethlisberger gives to them and take them far. So very pleasantly surprised about that. But Steelers aside, the Browns played incredibly. I mean, the offense, Baker was on point, which I was not expecting. I thought the pressure was going to get to him. But he played the same game that he's been playing for the second half of the season. No interceptions, very few incompletions, three touchdowns. And our run game was very solid. Although the stats in my mind are a little skewed because so many of our drives came from turnovers. So we didn't have... The ability to get as many yards as normal. So it doesn't bother me that Chubb nor Chubb, neither Chubb nor Hunt hit 100 rushing yards, but Chubb had a huge uh, impact on the receiving game as well, which I was very happy about. Pleasantly surprised. And honestly, the response of the defense mostly to the big game and the big pressure coming up with a number of turnovers and stellar play throughout the majority of the game was just remarkable. And the offense's ability to execute up until basically midway through the third quarter was amazing. So first time in 26 years for a playoff win for the franchise and even longer for a road win in the playoffs for the franchise made for a pretty fabulous weekend for the two of us. But let's not linger too long unless you have anything else to say. Moving on, Max, what other takeaways do you have from this wildcard weekend? 
My other takeaways from this weekend is mostly everything went to plan, other than Seattle looking like a horrible team oh, against who? the Rams. For some reason, correct me if I'm wrong, who did you take to win the Super Bowl last week? Yeah, to be fair, my one caveat with that pick was that Russell Wilson returns to MVP form. Still and a pick. He went backwards. 11 of 27, less than 200 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, while also taking five sacks, which is very unusual for Russell Wilson. Yes, this last half season has not looked very Russell Wilson at all. However, he wasn't aided at all by his the receiving corps' inability to catch some passes and an offensive line that struggles to protect him. So it's understandable. It just feels like the Russell Wilson that we knew and grew to love and depend on just kind of disappeared over the last nine games. But that offensive terribleness uh, can also be attributed to the dominance of the Rams defense yes I mean they pounded Russell Wilson over and over and their cornerbacks did exactly what they had to do they forced six incompletions when Wilson was targeting DK Metcalf which is not something that happens very often at all and Tyler Lockett was a non-factor exactly Tyler Lockett only with two receptions so this Rams team somehow pulled it off, even though their starting quarterback got injured, so they put in the normal starting quarterback, who has a broken thumb and shouldn't have been playing in the first place. He played pretty well. Quite the performance and coaching effort from Sean McVay. Uh, another game I'd like to bring up is the Titans-Ravens game, which was, obviously, other than my Brownies, the game I was really looking forward to the most. I thought it would be a great matchup between two good teams. And it was interesting. I, I was not nearly as impressed with the game as I had hoped to be. I agree, and a lot of it can, in my mind, can be attributed to the bad playing from Derrick Henry last year. Where was he? In the wild card matchup, Tennessee absolutely ran over Baltimore, and that's why they were able to ultimately come out with the win. But 18 carries, 40 yards, he wasn't able to do anything. When he can't get going, and when you have Corey Davis injured, which was huge, a Massive huge issue. loss. Because A.J. Brown is a stud, but when your entire secondary can devote themselves to him, it doesn't matter. Exactly. What did you think of Lamar Jackson's performance? I was impressed. I've been impressed with Lamar Jackson over the past two years, and I think he got a lot of flack early on this season unnecessarily. While I understand it, he proved the people wrong in that he can't perform in the big games, finally bringing a playoff win in his tenure. And a lot of people, I think, jumped on his... uh, jumped against him real fast because he played a playoff game in his rookie season that he only got to start half of. And then he played a really tough game and had a bad game in the playoffs last year. But all of a sudden, you're talking, oh, he can't perform in his two big game. It's not, I feel like people jump to conclusions real fast on him. I was impressed. I think he's a star and I think he's gonna be in this league for a long time. There are not many quarterbacks who can post the throwing stat line that Lamar Jackson posted 17 of 24, 179 yards, one interception, five sacks, and still be considered as having a great game and possibly the MVP of the game. He ran for 136 yards 16 times. He's dynamic. He's not a normal quarterback, and I think that's what people tend to struggle with. Exactly. Is that he doesn't always get it done in the air. Sometimes he posts insane stats through the air, and it's a huge surprise to everybody. Yeah. But he gets it done mainly on the run. I mean, as long as his legs stay healthy, I think he's going to be a star for a long time. Right. So let's move on to that Tampa Bay-Washington game. Oh, yeah, baby. Tom Brady and the Bucks took care of business this weekend, moving on with ease against, you know, a lackluster opponent in the Washington football team. However, it was pretty exciting. 
It was very exciting. Josh and I were texting the whole time about how fun it was to watch a no-name quarterback in Taylor Heineke destroy this Tampa Bay Buccaneers Play defense. Play extremely well, locating the football at, with an accuracy you really don't see in many starting quarterbacks. As a college student who had to postpone his finals, someone who barely had any reps with the team and just came out to play and gritted through tough. I mean, he got injured and ran back on. The, he had a Lamar Jackson moment as a, what, third-string quarterback, fourth-string quarterback from the start of the year. I mean, he was their quarantine quarterback. Right, a very impressive and really great performance for his future when you think about where he's going to be able to go now after that one game, honestly. So then looking at the rest of the playoffs, New Orleans won. That was not much of a surprise. Um, Huge defensive effort on both sides. Uh, New Orleans defense did a good job. They did what they had to do. We were talking last week about how surprising they've been this season, um, and they've continued that stoutness throughout the playoffs. And then looking at Buffalo-Indianapolis, a closer game than I thought it would be. Agreed. The Bills really did not play very well this week. No, and I think... Their main issue from last week and looking into next week is their run game, especially with Zach Moss's injury that he suffered. If they can't get that run game going, they're going to have a tough time beating the normally high-scoring Baltimore Ravens. I agree. I mean, you just looked at an absolutely dynamic Buffalo offense that really, really struggled last week. Yep, yep. So let's look ahead to the divisional round of the playoffs. And let's start with in the NFC with the Rams versus the number one seed Packers, who will have finally their chance to play in the 2020 playoffs. Josh, who do you have in this game? Well, so I'm going to be really interested to see if Jared Goff is playing in healthy. Um, well, John Wolford won't be, that's for sure. So if he's not playing, <laughs> yeah, I don't I, even know who their quarterback will I'm be. I'm sure Jared Goff is going to tough it out and be all right. If he was able to play last week, I'm sure he'll be fine. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Um, but I think I'm going to have to take the Packers in this one. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think a well-rested Packers team is one of the best in the NFL, which is why they're the number one seed. I think they'll be able to play well against this defense. I think it'll be lower scoring than people are expecting. Agreed. I would not be surprised to see a game in the low 20s to high 10s. Uh, but moving on to the Bucks saints game, my Tom Brady takes on Drew Brees in what should be an absolutely epic matchup. But the Saints have absolutely taken care of business against the Buccaneers both times this season, most recently demolishing them on Monday Night Football. Max, who do you have? I like to think of this as the Dinosaur Bowl. You have the two oldest geezers at quarterback, (laughs) and it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, these are two absolute legend Hall of Famers. I think that the Bucs pull it off in this one as well. I think that Tom Brady's history in the playoffs proves that it doesn't matter who he's playing. If he's got a great team around him, and he does, he will be able to win. Wow. Well, for everyone listening, I was about to write New Orleans ahead of Max making his prediction because I was sure he was going to take the team that Tom Brady was not on. However, he proved me wrong. He's going to take my side as well. I think Tom Brady pulls it out. He's got a playoff prowess that are matched by none ever, and I think he is going to absolutely come back. And I just can't see him getting beat three times in a row by the same team in one season. Yeah, and when you look at pretty much any team in the NFL, whenever they have a chance to play each other three times, which doesn't happen often, it never goes 3-0 in favor of one team. So especially not when that one team's quarterback is none other than Tom Brady, who has had a 
magnificent season at age 42. So moving on to our hometown Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Max, what are you going to take this week? It pains me. My heart is broken, but I'm happy that we won. We're not going to go further this week. I'm taking Kansas City. Their team is, their offense is unstoppable. They have a good enough defense. I think it's going to be closer than people think, but I think that Mahomes will pull it off. As much as I would love to take the hometown Brownies, I'm going to say the same thing I did last week and just think it's unrealistic. So I'm with Casey as well, as the, although, like I said last week, I will be very, very happy to be wrong in this scenario. Last game of the divisional round playoffs, the Ravens versus the Bills, Max. This is intriguing. Who do you have? This is very intriguing, and I think this is the one game that's a big question for both of us. I'm going to stick with the Bills on this one. I think that Josh Allen has been unconscious this season and the way that he's been able to play with Stephon Diggs. I don't think they're going to have any sort of run game, but I think they will be able to pull it off. And I think Lamar Jackson has a bad game as well. I think that he doesn't play as well on the run, and for that reason, he's not going to be able to take this team to victory. I cannot disagree with that take. However, I'm going to take Baltimore. Is it because we have the same predictions up until this point? Maybe. Is it because I'm a big believer in John Harbaugh as a coach and this Ravens team in the playoffs against a very inexperienced Bills team? Also, maybe. I'll leave it up to you guys to decide. But I'm going to take the Ravens. We'll see how it goes. I'm rooting for Lamar Jackson to shed the doubt that he gets in big games. So hopefully he has a good game. Uh, how cool would it be for a Ravens-Browns AFC championship game? That would be pretty sweet, huh? That would be something special. And I want to apologize to all of our loyal listeners for my absolutely terrible understanding of how the NFL playoffs work. I predicted that the Ravens <laughs> would be playing the Browns this week and that the Chiefs would be playing the Bills. I have no idea what I was thinking. Yeah, I kind of let him slide on that one. Maybe I missed it too. But that was kind of atrocious. Anyways, that's about it for the NFL. Now that we're in the playoffs, there isn't a whole lot to talk about in terms of our weekly reactions other than making fun of Max for a terrible Super Bowl prediction. So let's move on. Uh, Unless, actually, Max, do you have an updated Super Bowl prediction since you messed yours up? I think it's only fair to my fans that I accept defeat, but... I will make an updated Super Bowl prediction. I believe it will be a one-seed versus one-seed Super Bowl. I'm taking Packers versus Kansas City. I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup, and I accept full responsibility for being a terrible predictor. Yep, you lose. Uh, We're actually, I believe, even on the season right now because I made an error last week saying that you were a game up. I was actually a game up. Doesn't matter. Point being, we'll see. You're lame for picking a 1v1. Let's move on. College football playoff championship game, Ohio State, Alabama. Wow, that game was fun to watch. It was very fun to watch as two Michigan fans and being surrounded by Ohio State fans. I was watching with some of my friends who all go to Ohio State. It was such a great night. I was very happy. Oh, I mean, it was amazing to watch. Just watching Devonta Smith absolutely tear up this vaunted Ohio State secondary was incredible. I actually just uh, searched on Google, Ohio State versus Alabama, to find the stats, and there were crimson fireworks that went off in Google. Are you serious? Yeah. So that's that was, super cool. It's a cool little shout out. Good job, Google. You guys are doing great things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're going to hear us. <laughs> so yeah, Mac Jones has an amazing game. Devonta Smith plays incredibly, but goes down after the first half, and it was an injury that will leave a lot of questions in the minds of 
people who like looking at stats. This dude had 12 receptions and 215 yards, three touchdowns, all in the first half. What kind of numbers would he put up if he played a full game? He was absolutely remarkable and unguardable. And it was amazing to watch. Some of the stuff he can do on the football field is insane. I expect him to go extremely high in the NFL draft. Hopefully he recovers from that broken hand real fast. But, I mean, you put those numbers over a full game, he's at over 400 yards. Of 24 receptions and six. I mean, the amount of records that he... I think he already broke records in the first half. In the half. first half! It's unheard of and absolutely remarkable. He's got a bright future in the NFL, I tell you. Yeah, he definitely does, and that is not a hot take in any sense. I think everybody's expecting him to possibly meet up with a good quarterback. When you look at the teams that are picking high, that if they're not taking a quarterback, that means that they have some sort of confidence. Imagine if he gets taken by the Chargers. Imagine if he gets taken oh by a team. Oh, my God. Herbert, Keenan <laughs> Allen, and Devonta Smith. I can't even with imagine. With Mike Williams in the slot. Holy mother of God, that would be unreal. He's got a bright future. I could also foresee a team trading up to get him a team like the Steelers. or a Not team. the Steelers. They need other help. But I, I agree with you. Um, trying to think of a good example. Maybe the Ravens, who desperately need some weapons at receiver. As long as he doesn't go to the AFC North, I'm perfect. Unless he's coming to the Browns. Unless he's coming to the Browns. I'm perfectly happy. That would be a pretty good third, third receiver for us. But looking at the flip side, a big loss for Ohio State that could have impacted the game differently was loss of Trey Sermon. Oh, yeah. And Master Teague did play. I've always stood by the fact that I like Master Teague more than Trey Sermon. I was sad to see Teague go down earlier this season, and Trey Sermon did play incredibly. But Master Teague wasn't able to pick up from where Trey Sermon left off these past few weeks. Granted, he only was able to run the ball 15 times. Justin Fields just wasn't able to get it done with the pass. I mean, Alabama absolutely destroys this Ohio State team. I was listening to the radio today, and they were talking about how impressive of a coach Saban is. That when you look at the, first of all, he's won six championships in 12 seasons. That's unheard of. I, no, now that he has the most wins, championship wins especially. Um, but when you look at the early Alabama teams, they are defense heavy. That's how they win. But as you see college football change to an offense game, Saban changes as well. And he shows that it doesn't matter what the rest of college football is throwing at him. He will adapt he will make his team successful. He's been absolutely remarkable. And he's, you know, a lot of people will say with me, he's the Bill Belichick of college football. But uh, it, it's been awesome to watch him win and dominate, even though, you know, I'm not an Alabama fan. It's so cool to see uh, since my Michigan team has been really bad. So it's not like I was competing with him anyways. So <clears throat> that's all I've got when it comes to college football. Um, a lot of exciting things to talk about and start to see coming when it comes to the NFL draft and the prospects for next year. Uh, but that's for a later date. Anything else, Max? Uh, let's move on. So now we're going to move into uh, Believe the Hype or Psych. Woo-woo-woo-woo. So, uh, Max, do you want to kick it off or should I? Let's do it. Josh, Believe the Hype or Psych, after his incredible one-game performance, Taylor Heineke will be the Washington football team starting quarterback next year. Oh, that is exciting. I would love to see it happen. I do, in fact, think Taylor Heineke played himself into a contract somewhere. I'm going to say psych. I do think there's a good chance Washington re-signs him to a contract. Um, however, I think he will enter the year behind Alex Smith. 
Because as we all know, Alex Smith is a very capable starting NFL quarterback. And if he's healthy, he's above average at the very least. And I think Taylor Heineke is a big gamble. And Ron Rivera is not the kind of coach to really take that big gamble. I see him sticking with Alex Smith. However, I would love to see Taylor Heineke do that. Yeah, I think that's a very valid take. But there is question on whether Alex Smith will play or not next season. He's currently mulling things over, taking a couple of weeks. Heineke absolutely played himself into a contract, which is insane to say after one game. But you look at the poise that he had and the accuracy, like he said. Absolutely. Uh, there aren't many quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, that can play with that kind of accuracy with not In very playoffs, good receivers. Versus Tom Brady. Right. I mean, that's big time. Uh, Max, believe the hyper psych. After losing to the Browns at home in the playoffs, the Steelers' dynasty is over. I think the Steelers' dynasty has been over for a long time. When you look at the success that they've had recently, when was the last time they won the Super Bowl? The last time they were in the Super Bowl was versus the Arizona Cardinals, I believe, in 2011? 2009. I was close. So that's 11 years now, 12 next season. They Not haven't quite, had a dynasty okay. for years now. I think that they haven't had a Super Bowl winning team, but how many of these past few years have they won the AFC North and gone to the playoffs? Right. So when you're, if you're Almost talking about them. in terms of that as a dynasty, I think they're done as well from that. I think that they are no longer the big brother of the AFC North, and I think that it will be up for grabs, honestly, for the rest of the three teams if you see the Bengals take a big step. I see the Bengals having a very similar season to the Cardinals next year, uh, but that's for a later date. So I'm going to go with b- believe the hype. hype. I, I uh, believe the hype as well. Unless Ben Roethlisberger does come back, I'm anticipating him retiring. If he comes back, I believe that they will be competitive again and sneak into the playoffs most likely. But we'll see. I don't think they're the same team that they once were. All right, Josh. Believe the hype or psych. Mobile quarterbacks are the future in the NFL. I say that in air quotes. You guys can't see that because it's a podcast. <laughs> but I can. But they will never win a Super Bowl in the future. In the near Not never, but... Wow. In the near future, but mobile quarterbacks won. Well, it's undoubted. I totally believe the hype when it comes to mobile quarterbacks as the future of the NFL. I mean you see very few immobile quarterbacks coming into the NFL anymore. I mean, Joe Burrow is a rarity with his pocket presence. Most quarterbacks are like Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, um, Daniel Jones scrambles a lot. Most quarterbacks are of that variety. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. The list goes on. I do, I'm do. i going to say psych, though. I do believe that they will win a Super Bowl. I think that I just listed too many talented young quarterbacks on very good teams that there will not be a Super Bowl one in the next three years by a mobile quarterback. So that's interesting. I don't consider Mahomes a mobile quarterback. Okay, so it's interesting because he doesn't rely on his legs alone, but you look at how often he makes plays on the run, scrambles out of the pocket, avoids defenders. Do you consider Russell Wilson a mobile quarterback? I think Russell Wilson in his early years is a mobile quarterback. Correct. I think he is an athletic quarterback now, which is what I think Patrick So I guess Mahomes it depends is. on your definitions then because... Mahomes isn't a running quarterback, but he is extremely mobile. So I see what you're saying now. I still think that, I guess it depends on your time frame. I would say within five years, a mobile quarterback will win a Super Bowl. Yeah, so when you look at the playoff situation now, only two of the quarterbacks are mobile. Everybody has been saying that mobile quarterbacks are taking over the NFL, but they're not in the playoffs. When you look at Kyler Murray's out of the playoffs, 
I think him, Lamar Jackson, honestly, maybe Josh Allen are the best three mobile quarterbacks. Absolutely, absolutely. And only two of them have in the playoffs. Josh Allen doesn't rely on the run as much as Lamar Jackson, obviously. But when you look at the past 10 years, I believe, only one has won the Super Bowl, and that's Russell Wilson. And this mobile quarterback era has been going on for the last three or four years, I think. Yeah, well, a little bit longer than that. But even then, Russell Wilson really relied on his defense. He didn't win that with his offense. It was kind of like early Brady Super Bowls where he made enough plays to get the job done, but it was really the defense that took care of the uh, of shouldering the load. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm still going to stick with my psych, but I like it. Um, Max, I'm going to take it a little bit differently to the NBA. I know we're going to come back to the NFL in a moment, but leave the hyper psych. In the beginning of the season, early runnings, Nikola Jokic is your NBA MVP. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say psych on that one. Um, he has been amazing this season, uh, posting ten assists per game. I don't think more than that. I believe he. I, last I checked, he was leading the NBA in assists. James Harden actually just passed him. Really? Yeah. So he's second wow. with ten point four. But I don't think that if you're looking at the eleven games that have been played, you can't give the MVP to a five and six team. I think that if he was the MVP, the Nuggets would be top of the playoffs right now. Not the number one seed, because the Lakers had that locked up. There's no question oh, yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. But I think that just looking at his stats, there's an argument. But with his impact on the team, I'm going to go with Psych. Interesting. Okay, I like it. Um, that's all I've got for Believe the Hyper Psych, Max. Let's head on to Surprises and Disappointments, the factory of sadness, the namesake for our podcast. Josh, what was your biggest surprise from this week? My biggest surprise of this week is was just how bad that Steelers defense was this week. I mean, you talk about between them and the Dolphins, they're the, almost unquestionably the two best defenses in the league. And they let up, how many points again? 48? 48. 48 points? I mean, that's unheard of for a supposedly elite defense. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. That actually goes into my surprise. Um, my surprise was the performance of the Browns' offensive line. You look at who played for the majority of the game. A crap ton of no-namers. Michael Dunn, who hadn't even been on the roster, I'm pretty sure, who is like a family friend of my sister's professor, came out of nowhere and absolutely helped manhandle an absolutely dominant Steelers defensive line. And we lost Jack Conklin. A guy and named then Blake. we lost Michael Dunn and some dude named Blake played. Right, exactly. So very surprising. They were able to stop the best team at sacking. And actually, the Steelers didn't record a single sack. I think that breaks their streak. Wow. I'm not sure if their streak was regular season or postseason. So while you're giving me your biggest disappointment, I will look that up and report to you, the fans. I believe <laughs> the Browns just made history. My biggest disappointment was... Russell Wilson. I've been a big proponent of Russell Wilson and a fan ever since uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, whatever, the year after they won the Super Bowl. After they lost the Super Bowl. Let me correct myself. He just did not look good again. I mean, I thought that by the time they got to the playoffs, he would have figured out whatever was going on, gotten that bad juju out of his head, and figured out how to return to an, an MVP candidate, an all-star, wrong sport, an all-pro whatever, a top two quarterback in the league, and he just looked far from it. 
and that was my biggest disappointment of the week. Yeah, definitely a huge disappointment. Um, from what I see, it is regular season, and I think that makes sense. Um, I hope it's regular season and postseason because that would be amazing to be able to uh, break that streak. But either way, we let up zero sacks. Huge. Which was remarkable against the dominant front seven. Max, exactly. what was your biggest disappointment? My biggest disappointment uh, goes to the NBA, and it's the struggle of the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards right now are third last in the NBA. I don't want to, or in the Eastern Conference. I don't want to do the math to see what place that actually is. But you look at this roster, and it has <laughs> a whole lot of talent. We talked uh, in our preview of the NBA about how exciting this team could be to watch. Bradley Beal, Russell Wilson, or Russell Westbrook, Westbrook my bad. Um, and a few solid bench players as well. Denny Avdia, the rookie out of Israel. Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant. Exactly. Thomas Bryant did get injured, so that's really sad to see. Um, but they're 3-8. and eight. Their defense has been absolutely atrocious. They actually did come out with a win yesterday, a big win. So that is exciting. Hopefully they will be able to turn it around. But I have been very disappointed with the play that they've been having. And I really hope that Russell Westbrook finds a way to start making shots because Bradley Beal deserves to win. I agree. So it's really interesting. It's um, I saw a graphic yesterday on Instagram that made me think of that. Actually, I was almost going to bring that up. Um, and it's interesting because you, it was saying these guys put their everything on the floor and they just lose and it sucks. And it's Bradley Beal and Zach Levine who always average almost 30 plus points a game. But the point this person was bringing up that took that graphic and reposted it was their defense is non-existent. And as many points as you score in a game, if you can't come back and stop the other team from scoring back, it doesn't matter. So they've got to find a defensive rhythm or else they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And you hope for both of those players that they find the gumption to move on from these teams because I, I do not think that either team is going to be able to find success. I agree. That's really my only big surprise and disappointments for this week. Max, do you have any others? Yeah, I would just say, and this is sort of a hot take in my opinion. I think that I expect the Chiefs to win. There's no question about that, that they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. They have had sort of a fall from grace in the past five weeks, I believe. Yeah. When you look at their victory margin, it is very And Mahomes' very stats, he has not looked nearly as good. Exactly. So I'm not sure that they'll be able to make a deep run in the playoffs because of that. I hope that they're able to turn it around, but... I don't. I hope we win. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It, after they beat us, I'm not sure they'll be able to make it to the Super Bowl. But I think that... Obviously, they will because that was my prediction. <laughs> Good job, Max. We're going to move on before Max embarrasses himself anymore. This week, our main segment coming late in the podcast is we took a roster build of the NFL to see if we could generate a team that is worthy of beating and becoming the eventual Super Bowl champion. We set the parameters of this challenge. We had a cap of $130 million, which is about the average um, salary for for a starting roster i believe it's starting 24 we did um and we did it of only players that were not in the playoffs so you couldn't use anyone that was on a team in the playoffs but you were allowed to do anybody else as long as the total roster ended up under 130 million dollars 
one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, one team's offensive line, a defensive line, linebackers, two cornerbacks, two safeties, a punter, and a kicker. Max, let's see what you got. What did you end up with? All right, so let's each share our offenses and then defenses so that we're not just rattling off a bunch of names. Let's do it. So my offense led by third... Do you want to do it position by position or by Let's do offense by offense. Okay. Big surprise this season. Had a great rookie season, threw for a whole lot of yards, and has a bright future ahead of him. Justin Herbert is my quarterback coming in at 4.8 mil per season. A nice low cap as he's on the rookie contract. I think he's a great quarterback to have. The one off with him is playing on the big stage. But yes, he has not been able to prove uh, playoff performance or big game performance yet. Continue. I believe putting him on a team that is as stacked as my offense. Well, continue then. Stop holding us in suspense. Will be great. Okay, so looking at running backs, a surprise to me, I forgot that he was still on his rookie contract as well. Dalvin Cook out of Minnesota. Absolutely. Hell of a season. Absolutely dominant. Great running back. My second running back, another rookie, James Robinson out of Jacksonville, had a great season as well, rushed for over 1,000 yards. He would be a great sort of duo as uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook and James Robinson. Hell of a team with Justin Herbert at the helm. Wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. On a steal of a contract. Having a quarterback who can throw deep consistently with DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver is very dangerous. And opposite him, to take away either double teams or to benefit from DeAndre Hopkins' double teams, I've got Calvin Ridley out of the Atlanta Falcons. Also an amazing season. And a player that's used to being the second receiver at times and thrives in that position. I think also benefiting from Justin Herbert at quarterback. My tight end, a great blocker, a great receiver, a freak athlete at his position, Darren Waller out of the Las Vegas Raiders. This player speaks for himself. I don't even need to explain why I wanted him on my squad. We decided that the best route for the offensive line, since that would be very crazy to try to figure out each individual (laughs) player, we would go with one unit. I went with the New England Patriots. I think that they're often overlooked, but they had a great offensive line. They did not have a great offense, but their offensive line, I believe, was top 10, maybe even higher in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Max, that's a great-looking offense. I just think mine is better. So why don't I get to that? We do have two very big similarities. My running back number one was Dalvin Cook as well, and my wide receiver one was also DeAndre Hopkins. They're just too good at too cheap of a contract not to pick, and they're not in the playoffs, so your field's already shrunk. But my quarterback, who I'm really, I don't know, not maybe surprised, but disappointed that you didn't pick, just kidding, is Deshaun Watson. For under $10 million, a truly elite quarterback in the NFL who has proved it on the big stage in multiple scenarios. For under $10 million? Give me that all day. Deshaun Watson's my quarterback. Dalvin Cook's my RB1. I took Miles Sanders out of Philadelphia, who's really been electric sometimes on the field as my RB2. My two wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, and I i can't believe you missed it, Keenan Allen as my second wide receiver. Absolute stud. Talk about Justin Herbert. Who did he rely on all year? Keenan Allen. My tight end is Mike Gesicki, who sneakily had a really good season with Miami. And then my offensive line, I was going to pick the Patriots, but wasn't sure, and went with the 49ers instead. Uh, so another solid offensive line. 
And that's my roster. Watson, Cook, Sanders, Hopkins, Allen, Kasicki, and the 49ers offensive line. That is a great offense, but the thing that you forget, I don't have enough money to be playing, paying these players. Calvin Ridley is making three mil a year. Justin Herbert, 4.8 mil a year. I don't have the extra 11 mil to get Deshaun Watson. Don't, don't you have an $130 million cap too? I do. I only have seven mil remaining though. Let's go to oh, defense. Oh, I have two. Come on, dude. You gotta All use right. your cap better. Defense, I went with the three, four defense. So Same three here. defensive linemen, four linebackers. I struggle with finding a defensive tackle. I think it is very hard to find a good defensive tackle for cheap money. That isn't already on a playoff exactly. team. And that might have something to say about the success of teams. I picked Javon Kinlaw out of San Francisco. I think he's an absolute beast. Didn't have a perfect season, but he's cheap. He's there. I took him. <laughs> Next, looking at uh, my big rushers on the edges, we got Leonard Williams and Romeo Aquara. Leonard Williams was expensive. I didn't realize how big of a contract Absolutely. he had. 16 mil a year. But he had a great season. He spoke to that money. And Romeo Aquara did as well. I did not know this guy's name before looking up his stats. But he played well. He was one of the top sackers in the NFL playing for the Lions. And he had a great season. So moving on to the linebackers, I got Eric Wilson out of Minnesota, Bradley Chubb out of Denver, uh, Fred Warner on the inside, and Hassan Reddick on the inside. I went for a mostly rushing type of linebackers. I think that in today's NFL, if you can apply pressure, that is huge. But then you also look at Eric Wilson and Fred Warner. These guys are very good in coverage. I think this linebacking crew and this defensive or this uh, defensive line, the front seven in general, is absolutely stacked for the players that were available. Moving on to secondary, uh, one of the top interceptors in the NFL, J.C. Jackson out of New England, uh, extremely cheap, 750000 an oh. obvious pick in my opinion. A steal. And also, opposite from him, a great man in coverage, Jason Barrett. He was sort of an unknown, in my opinion, being on San Francisco going into the season, but with Richard Sherman going down for a little bit, Jason Barrett didn't play a complete season, but he did have great coverage on the receivers that he played. I think he's an absolute steal, $887,000. This defense is dominant. There's no offense that can beat them out of the players that were available. <laughs> Josh, who do you have? So we have two similarities in our middle linebackers. I also took Fred Warner and Hassan Reddick. They're too cheap. They're too good. I think they're the two best middle linebackers in the NFL. My, I also ran a 3-4 defense. Uh, my defensive line actually has two former Browns. My defensive tackle, I took Danny Shelton, who had a surprisingly good season for the Lions. Uh, available for a pretty for 2.75 million dollars I took him I'm happy with it not the best but it is what it is uh, on the edge I have Danielle Hunter from Minnesota who's sneakily been one of the best edge rushers in the league and Emmanuel Ogba from Miami former Brown who really played very well on a sneakily good not sneakily good a very dominantly good Miami Dolphins defense uh, in my linebacking crew I went with a mixture of people who are versatile rusher and in coverage with my outside linebackers being Kyle Van Noy uh, from the Dolphins and Leighton Vander Esch from the Cowboys. Both players who can rush but are also very good in coverage. And then Fred Warner and Hassan Reddick, who you already covered. They're stellar and extremely talented. My two safeties, I took Butta Baker and Eddie Jackson, who in my opinion are two of the absolute best safeties in the NFL, both for $3.7 million a year. No brainer in my opinion. And then at cornerback, I took the two top cornerbacks in the league right now, in my opinion, in Jair Alexander, 
Oh my god, he's on Grandpa Bay. I can't. Oh, 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 oh. I also just said Grandpa Bay, so let's not talk about that <laughs> real fast. Um, my other cornerback <laughs> is now going to be someone different who I have to find real fast. Um, I'm actually going to steal from you. I'm going to take JC Jackson, an absolute stud, very dominant, um, and very cheap. So, uh, Jair Alexander is gone, but Xavier Howard, the best cover man in the league, I will take him. Uh, Max, you want to run through your uh, um, special, teams. special teams real fast? Sorry, I was typing JC Jackson, even though I'm done with this exercise now, so I was kind of <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't know who to pick for punter. I know that a lot of the playoff teams have good punters. I don't really know who's good outside. I looked up some rankings and found Jack Fox out of Detroit. He's 610,000. That's all that matters to me. Yep, I took, then, a, I took a punter that is on the Jets, so he has to be good because he, he punts right. a lot. <laughs> My kicker, though, Young Woke, Young Way Koo. Dude, same here. Young Woke Koo is a stud. He was an absolute stud. He had a very, very shaky start to his career, but absolutely turned it around with the Atlanta Falcons this year. One of the best kickers in the league, not in the playoffs. Easy pick. Josh, I hate to call you out, but I love to win. Daniel Hunter did not play this season. He was injured all no, season. No, was he really? He oh, I didn't season. check. I wanted to go off my gut. That's really disappointing because... He's an animal. He so I guess I'm down a man on defense. That probably means my defense isn't good enough. That really stinks. I could pick another defensive end, but it is what it is. So the main purpose of this little game that we did, are either of these teams able to beat the Super Bowl champion? Well, I only have 10 defenders, so I'm clearly <laughs> so out. So definitely not. Plus a cornerback that can't actually Hey, play. I switched him out for JC Jackson. I'm good. My secondary is a blanket in coverage, <laughs> so don't worry about that. <laughs> Do you think that they're able to win, though? Depends. Who's a Super Bowl champion? Pick your Super Bowl champion, and let's go. I got to be honest. I think I can win. It's too dominant, too deep, and too good not to win. I'm going to go with yes. Well, if I had another defensive end. Right, if you have your 11th player on defense. I'm going to go with yes as well. And the interesting thing about this is the amount of amazing players in the NFL that are getting paid close to nothing when you look at some of the massive contracts. Like I said, Calvin Ridley, who's a top receiver, less than three mil. James Robinson, obviously he's a rookie, so he's not gonna make a lot, but he's making 600,000. And it's crazy to think about how contracts very rarely actually show how good a player is. We were able to make a team that's a stud of a team on both out of, of our top cases. 10 players at each position. Exactly. With for, ease. For less than $130 million, which not many teams have that kind of salary cap. Absolutely. I mean, it's very interesting. I had someone bring this point up to me a long time ago that a lot of what tends to happen in professional sports is that players get paid in their early years very little, and they're expected to perform greatly. And then once they hit free agency, what happens is they get paid for what they used to do what they did and not what they're going to do, which is why you see a lot of veterans with expensive contracts who really don't play very well. Yeah, and a lot of times also, teams tend to pay massive money for these quarterbacks, but you look at how much money Deshaun Watson is currently making, and, well, I guess he's not a great example because he has a lot less of a salary than I thought he did. I'm surprised that he's making Nine million dollars. That's crazy. But you look at quarterbacks that are making massive money. Um, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Kirk Stafford. Cousins. Jimmy Garoppolo is up there. 
they aren't able to always take their team to victory. Exactly. You don't need to pay a quarterback the Mahomes money to find success. Maybe to win a Super Bowl, but not to just make the playoffs. So it's an interesting conversation that I think needs to be spoken of a little bit more. I agree. I completely agree. Well, that was fun. A little bit stressful. This uh, program isn't the greatest and uh, both freaked out a little bit with it, but a Maybe, lot of fun. especially since I, you know, picked a defensive end who I can't pick. <laughs> but we're going to ignore that. Exactly. Josh, do you have anything else for us to discuss today? Uh, I do have a couple other things I want to bring up. I know we're not a big baseball uh, podcast, but I wanted to bring up a few things. The offseason going on in baseball and a few really massive moves happened. Our Cleveland Indians, who I'm a massive fan, Max knows, and my favorite player, Francisco Lindor, just got traded, which frankly the Indians needed to do last offseason as much as it pains me to say it. Traded him to the New York Mets under new owner Steve Cohen, who are attempting to be a very competitive playoff team next year. The Indians received in return Ahmed Rosario, who's been uh, really disappointing ever since he got to the majors. A major league-ready prospect in Andres Jimenez, who plays shortstop and in theory will replace Francisco Lindor. And then two prospects, the Mets' second-round pitcher from last year, Josh Wolf, and their first-round outfielder from this year, Isaiah Green, both of whom are uh, higher-end prospects, but not extreme talents. So it's a pretty good trade on both sides as the Mets also received Carlos Carrasco. But it's a heartbreaker for Cleveland fans. Um, Nevertheless, there were also two other major trades made a few weeks ago. Uh, The Padres going all in on this season, acquiring two absolute aces in Blake Snell and Yu Darvish. Um, Blake Snell from the Rays. uh, And the Rays in return received a very handsome prospect return. uh, And the Padres then made a deal with the Cubs for you, Darvish, who got uh, also a good return, a little less stellar. So it was a good, um, a good deal. Interesting for the offseason. Fun to see. Baseball's at a little bit of a lull right now as you haven't gotten huge signings and everything's kind of lame and dry until the season gets going. But I'm a huge baseball guy, so I love it. Max, do you have anything to say or is that about it? I'm not a huge baseball guy. I don't like it. I think it's boring. However, you suck. Excuse me. The Indians did get one player that I'm very excited about. Josh Wolf is a Jew. I love when we have Jews on Cleveland sports. I could not be happier. I understand that Frankie Lindor is a great player, but like you said, past couple of seasons, not so good with the organization. I hope he has Well, he's been great with the organization, but he wanted more money. We're too cheap to pay him. Didn't make sense. He wasn't going to end up coming back, and you can't let him go for nothing. Exactly. That's about it, though, Max. I honestly don't know if I have anything else to say. I think we're good, Josh. As always, the pleasure has been all mine. No, no, stop this madness. It's all mine. My fingers are absolutely frozen. I think I'm getting frostbite. For those of you that have made it this far in the podcast, first of all, thank you. I don't think there are many of you, to I be think honest. there's about four. <laughs> Maybe. My if we're mom lucky. is one of them. Exactly. Hopefully. You guys got a special look into the creation of our podcast. Let's, let's reward our loyal listeners who make it this far and who don't get scared off by the length of this podcast. It's Josh only 48 I, minutes. We're doing good. We're doing good. Josh and I are currently sitting in my garage, uh, more than six feet apart. Don't worry. We're socially distanced. It is cold in here. Oh, yeah. I can barely type on my computer. I know. My, I want to put on gloves, but 
They I know that I won't be able to type. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a terrible situation. Then I can't look up anything good, even though I tend not to rely on my computer because I'm already up prepped oh, up here. Oh, exactly. Course. Yeah. All of these stats that we pull out, they're just all from our brain. We hey, most of them are actually from my brain. Boop, boop. But yeah. I don't pull as many specific stats as you do. Exactly. Yeah. I so. definitely cannot stay the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, your completion numbers and ranks and yards to <laughs> That's just all flowing through all my brain. All flowing through your head. Exactly. Uh, I would be hella impressed if that was the case. That would be pretty great. But um, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm terrible at ending these podcasts, so I'm going to hand it over to Max. So uh, it's been great, guys. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. We're going to end this before 50 minutes, which is 30 seconds from now. Actually, it's a little less than that. My recording started early. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Factory of Sadness, a sports podcast. I am one of your humble co-hosts, Max Steiger. And I am the other humble co-host, Josh Shankman. As always, thank As you always. for listening. We love you. We love Have you. a great day. Have a great week. Have a great life. Have a great life. But we, we hope will... to see you next week. Exactly. We will hear you next week. We won't hear you. You will hear us. Exactly. But you can always uh, message us or text us or tell us how it is uh, since most of you are our friends and family anyways. <laughs> Hopefully more people listen to this eventually. Whatever. We enjoy talking about sports. We love you guys. If you made it this far, send either of us a DM and we will personally deliver a socially distanced high five. Or not because we're going back to college. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.